Father God, we come before you this morning, invite you here among us. We thank you that that you want us to come before you and to worship you and to just enjoy being in your presence. And I thank you that we can do that. I ask that you just fill this place with your spirit this morning, Father. Speak to each person at, at where they are, Father, what their needs. We know that you hear our prayers, and we know that you're watching over us and taking care of us. And I thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. My cry come before you, O oh Lord. Deliver me according to your word. Let my cry come before you, O oh Lord. Deliver me according to your word. Let my lips utter praise. Let me worship you. my lips utter praise. Let me worship you always, oh my Lord. Give me understanding, Father. Hear the prayer of my heart. My soul lives so I can praise you. Let my tongue sing your word. Let my soul live so I can praise you. Let my tongue sing your word. Like sheep I've gone astray. Teach me your ways, oh my Like sheep I've gone astray, teach me your ways, oh my Lord. Give me understanding, Father, hear the prayer of my heart.
my cry come before you, O Lord. Deliver me according to your word. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Deliver me according to your word. Stronger than the strongest 
What a wonderful 
we're going to have a good time this morning. Oh, man, I am so glad to see some of you folks back. Some of you have been out and been sick for various other reasons. Good to see you here this morning. Those who are joining by remote, glad to have you with us. We're going to have a good time in the Lord this morning. We were praying in the prayer room, and uh, Brian prayed that God would break out this morning. And I just happened to think about the, this time when uh, the children of Israel and Moses were, they were going to have this experience with the Lord. And God said, you know, be real careful now. Do everything just like you're supposed to because if you do anything wrong, I'm going to break out against you and you're all going to be destroyed. Aren't you glad now that he made this new and living way that he can break out and we can just soak it in and soak it up. He doesn't destroy us. He consumes us to change us, to make us better. So I'm so thankful this morning that God is going to break out on us this morning. He's going to do something special. In Romans 15, it says, Now I say this, that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So he's saying basically, Jews and Gentiles, everyone, God is revealing himself, God is being God. As it is written, for this reason, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with this people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse. And he, he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's Christmas season. We're in December now. This is the Advent week of hope. There is hope. I don't care what kind of situations you've got going on in your life. There is hope in Christ. He causes his hope to abound towards us. That hope, it is, in the, it is in the living Christ in you, the hope of glory. And our hope is focused on him. And our circumstances may not look too hopeful. They may look downright depressing and discouraging sometimes. But there is hope in him. And this morning, I want to encourage you, get your eyes on the Lord. Focus on the hope that is in him. There is an eternal hope. And by the way, there is a hope for right now, too. We don't have to just wait till we get to heaven. There's a hope for life right now. We ought to get excited about that. A little later, we're going to take uh, communion. So if you're watching remotely, uh, gather your stuff up because we're going to do that here in a little while. So Lord, this morning, we choose to worship you. And I thank you, Lord, for the hope that is in you. There is a hope that abounds towards us that we can't even begin to comprehend, Lord. But that hope, makes us alive. It makes us new. It makes us refreshed and expecting you to be God in our lives every day, Lord. This morning, we choose to worship you. We choose to exalt you and lift up your name. And as we do that, pour your spirit on us, Lord. Give us that blessed hope this morning. Encourage our hearts. Let us rise up and be the people of God that you've called us to be, expecting hope and expecting you to be God in our lives every day all day long, not just occasionally when we need a miracle, but be God in our lives all the time. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. Amen. 
comes in the name of the Lord. At the coming of the King, Hosanna, we will sing. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. At the coming of
this morning that's our prayer that you would send that holy fire Lord and expose everything in us that needs to be consumed and burned up Lord the things that are in us need to be cleansed things that are in us that need to be removed our ways that need to be changed Lord we just invite you invite you to come have your way this morning speak to us each of us right where we are in our in our little place with you Lord that you would speak to us consume all of our impurities consume all the, the chaff and the, the things that just don't need to be there Lord speak to us send that holy fire we want to be we want to be like that offering that was prepared. The altar was soaked with water and the ditch was filled with water and, and your holy fire came down and just consumed it all. Licked up all the water and dust and everything and just took it all. Or we want to be consumed in you so that our life would be in you in such a way that it is not distinguishable as being able to be separated, but everything would be about you in our lives, Lord. Our thoughts would be about you. Our words would be about you. Our actions would be about you. The way that we see, the way that we speak, the way that we touch, the way we respond would all be about you, Lord. 
consume us with that holy fire. Lord, I pray that you speak to us now as we, as we prepare to take the cup and the bread. We're doing that in remembrance of you, Lord. And I pray that you reveal yourself to us now so that we could examine ourselves. Make sure that, that we're partaking in a way that pleases you, in a way that, that honors you. You said, do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. So, Lord, we're remembering you. We're remembering what you did for us this morning. We enter in to all of your provision and blessing and favor this morning. What you accomplished on the cross through your body, through your blood, and the power that results from your resurrection, Lord, that's what gives us the ability to walk in life, liberty, peace, and love, and joy, and hope for the future. It is your provision on the cross, Lord. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read this to you, and then as we worship, you can come and get the elements and take them back with you, and we'll all partake together. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So Lord, we choose to examine ourselves and we choose to, to lay our lives before you. And as we worship you and as we gather the elements up, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us, show us things that, that you would like to see changed in our lives, Lord. Decisions that we make, the way we spend our time, the way we spend our money, activities that we partake in. Lord, you want to have control over every part of our lives and not like a not like a cruel taskmaster but like a loving father who wants to watch over and protect his children you've told us the things that are good for us and the things that are bad for us remind us of those things lord and help us to choose the good to walk away from the bad to choose to use our time efficiently to honor you and glorify you because we know that our time in this earth is limited, Lord, and we, we want to honor you all the days of our lives. So speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. You can come and uh, get the elements.
thank you for your body that was sacrificed for us. I thank you, Lord, that you weren't coerced. You weren't forced, but you freely gave yourself. You took those stripes on your back. You took that beating. You took the nails driven through your hands and feet. You took all of that, the spear in the side, the shame and the humiliation of it all. Lord, you took it all freely because you wanted to be able to give freely to us. And I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your body that was given for us. And we partake of this bread in remembrance of you, Lord. We're proclaiming your death and your resurrection until you come, Lord. We thank you for that. All that's provided in your body, by your stripes, we are healed. By your body, Lord, it's the veil that was taken away. Your flesh, we can come and enter in with that new and living way right into the very presence of the Father. Thank you for that. We receive this now in Jesus' name. Break and protect. The same way, he took the cup and he blessed it and he broke it. And he said, drink this for this is my blood. The blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you. For the remission of sins. And Lord, I thank you that you didn't just forgive us of sins. 
that you've broke sin's power and dominion over us and we can walk in the fullness of your spirit and know the power of an endless life, Lord, that you, priests after the order of Melchizedek with no beginning and no end, the power of an endless life, Lord, you can make all things new in us. Your blood has the power to forgive and cleanse and heal, restore our souls, renew our minds, change us and make us and mold us into your image, the living Son of God. Lord, we receive the power of your blood. We partake of your blood, of the new covenant. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Let's partake. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all your provision, all that you do for us. Without you, we are nothing, but in you, we can do all things. And it's through your provision at the cross and in the power of your resurrection, that dunamis power, the resurrection power that lives and dwells and abides in us and brings us to life. It heals our bodies. It heals our hearts, restores our souls. That dunamis power, that's what we want. That's what we need. That I may know you, the power of your resurrection. Lord, we want to be resurrected in you as new creations in every area, not just, not just in some ways, Lord. And you didn't come just to, to save us from our sins, but you came to take our sins away where we don't have to obey those, those things anymore. You broke the power of sin in our life. We can walk in victory. We can walk in freedom. We don't have to walk around with a ball and chain. We don't have to walk around cuffed and bound, gagged and blinded. We don't have to walk around with a hook in our lip. We don't have to walk around with the prison doors in front of our eyes all the time. But Lord, you have set us free. You've redeemed us. Took us out of that pit. Put our feet up on a solid rock, Lord. I thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. You are life, and you have given us life, and you have given it to us freely, Lord. Help us, Lord, as we, as we walk in that freedom, help us to realize that it's our responsibility, that's our obligation to show our love back to you by freely giving back to you and to your people, Lord. We, we just want to honor you in all the things that we do. As we have been given freely, we want to freely give. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that your goodness abounds towards us. It abounds towards us. And we, we don't see it all the time, but I know it is always abounding towards us. We think nothing's going on, but we're not in the hospital. We think nothing's going on, and we got money in the bank. We think nothing's going on, but our relationships are going well. We think nothing's going on, but, but you're there all the time working on our behalf in the background, doing things, making our life happy and healthy and whole, giving us peace and comfort, holding our hand and walking us through the very valley of shadow of death. Lord, you don't leave us in the middle of the valley. You walk us through. Sometimes you may have to drag us a little. Sometimes you may have to carry us a little, but you get us through the valley. I thank you for that, Lord.
You are enough. You are our exceedingly great reward. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, bless this people this morning, Lord. Our hearts are for you. Turn our hearts towards you more and more each day, Lord. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you, guys. And Jeff, thank you for getting these little cups originally. I didn't like them at first, but such as a time like this, they're pretty handy. So uh, it was a great innovation by somebody. And the first time I tried it out, I thought, man, we're going to throw that stuff everywhere when we rip them open. But I think we might have figured it out finally. <sighs> Isn't God good? So um, we might need to fire the bulletin guy. Um, I, it was pointed out to me that uh, I didn't change the birthday. So if you got a December birthday, congratulations, it's your birthday. Woohoo! Uh, but if you got a November birthday, we're still celebrating you. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what I'm doing with the bulletins most of the time. I just, I got to do something. Hey, Peggy's there. She's back. Good. Anyway, uh, I'm so glad that uh, y'all are here. And uh, <clears throat> okay, so are y'all getting into the Christmas spirit yet? Yes. Yeah. So um, we have hope. Hope. There you go. There's always hope. There's always hope. Well, you know it's December, and so it's time to start thinking about it. Uh, I don't know if you read what I put in the bulletin, my little Sela, but. Uh, I'm encouraging you to not let it be too commercialized this year. Keep your focus on the Lord. You know, and I, you know, you got to give gifts to your kids and friends, and all. I mean, that's all fine. I'm, I'm not saying don't do all that, but just remember why we do it. We got the greatest gift of ever of all times in Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate Christmas because that's when He was born. The greatest gift of all, God gave us the gift of His Son, and if we remember that then we'll want to give and we'll want to be generous. We want to be ho, ho, ho and laughing and having a good time because we'll be rejoicing because that's uh, the reason for the season is Jesus and what he's done for us. Amen. <clears throat> all right, I think that's all the announcements. So we're, we're talking in uh, Colossians 1. And I don't know how long we're going to do this, but uh, each week I'm going to, Either do this or something different. You'll figure it out when you come. <laughs> but right now, we're in Colossians 1, and we're going to start in verse 3. And we're going to read it verse by verse, and we're going to talk about it and discuss what, what I feel like are kind of the high points and things that uh, the Lord would, would speak to us through. So Colossians 1, 3. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth as you offer us our fellow faithful minister of Christ who also declared to us 
your love in the Spirit. You know, I don't know about the original, but that was all one sentence. <laughs> it's a long sentence. There was no period in, anywhere in all that. But, uh, but that, that guy, Epaphras, he was, uh, he was probably the one that started the church in Colossae. And Paul wrote this letter to them because they were having some issues, some teaching and encouragement. So Epaphras was a guy that probably got saved at Ephesus when Paul was ministering there. He was there for three years ministering. And so Epaphras, uh, he, he took that message back home. He was from Colossae, and he probably began to share that, and, and a, a church rose up, and he became the, the overseer of it. So the, the points I want to make to you about these verses that we read, Paul is talking about uh, giving thanks to God and the Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. These are thanks and prayers are basic everyday activities of saints. You know, that's, that's just normal everyday stuff that we ought to be doing. Paul is, is pretty much just saying, look, you know, I'm thinking about you guys a lot, and when I think about you, I'm thankful for you. And, I, and I'm thankful to God for you, and I'm praying for you. So we as saints, we as God's people, that's the way we ought to respond to our fellow believers, the ones in our body, the ones that we know in other churches. Maybe there are people in other, other uh, countries even. There, there are saints all over the world. There are believers all over. And the ones that we know, we ought to be thankful for them. We ought to be thanking God for them. And we ought to be praying for them. Be thankful and prayerful for all of our, our friends and family and believers that we know. And, you know, you, you ought, really ought to be doing the same thing even for unbelievers. Paul is specifically talking about thanking God for these guys because he loved them and he knew them. But, but Paul says, you know, pray always. Praying always. Now, if you're like me, that's a little bit challenging sometimes because you get distracted by everyday life. You know, that work thing, it really gets in the way sometimes. Uh, you know, you're, you're doing that work and you're busy and your mind is focused on what you're doing. And, you know, sometimes you really got to be because if you're not careful, you know, you get focused on something else and, you know, you, you hurt your hands or do something. And I do that all the time, even when I'm focused on what I'm doing because it just takes a split second. Yesterday, I was outside and there was a, a thorn bush and I saw the thorn bush. And I thought, well, I need to be really careful about that thorn bush. And then I turned around, and we were unloading some firewood, and I turned back around, and it just ripped me. You know, I had like five or six places that were just, you know, like, hmm, there's another one. I do that all the time. And so it's a challenge to keep your eyes on the Lord and to be focused on Him and to be praying always and still be doing everyday activities. But... I believe it's possible to do that on some level, but you have to work at it. You know, it doesn't just happen naturally. Some people are probably able to do that better than others. Um, some people are multitaskers. I'm just not even a very good tasker sometimes, much less a multitasker. But, but you know, there's, there's an argument sometimes about whether that's even possible. I think it is, but it's, it's challenging to keep a focus on multiple things at the same time. 
I can walk and chew bubble gum at the same time, and I can think about where I'm walking, but uh, I have found sometimes when I'm driving and talking on the cell phone that I'll just go right past the place where I was going to exit and get off or something, you know. And I've, I've never had a wreck because I was talking on the phone, but I do get distracted because I'm in a conversation and I'm thinking about where I'm going. But I think we can improve that, though. That's part of the whole thing about restoring our souls and renewing our minds. You know, you, you get better as you practice that. But you have to practice it. If you don't make an attempt, if you say, well, I can't do that, then you're not going to do it. If you know that the Lord wants you to pray always and to always be giving thanks and that you ought to be praying in the Spirit and that you ought to be doing the things that build you up spiritually, then you ought to try to do that as you go about your daily activities. And I'm not saying, you know, cheat your employer or don't pay attention to your wife or kids or whatever, but you can you can incorporate your spiritual life with your everyday life. It's not like they have to be two separate things. We are, we are one person. We have a, a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. And our mind is a wonderfully created thing that is capable of doing all kinds of things that we don't even understand and know about. And yet... We use a very small percentage of our minds. And so I think if we will practice, we can improve how much of our mind we use and how we control the, the things that we think, the things that we say, the things that we do. We can do more multitasking than we think we can. So Tracy, I'm acknowledging it to you. I can multitask. Not making any promises about how much of it I'm going to do, but I know I can. She likes to multitask. Keeping up with her is a real challenge sometimes. And I think that's probably the case with most women. I think women are better at multitasking. Yeah, I think it goes along with being the, the whole mother thing, you know, because they've got the eyes in the back of their head. They see what the kids are doing in the back of the room, the other room. You know, they just... I took Tracy deer hunting one time, and this was just so wrong. But she was going to where she was going to hunt, and she... It was dark, you know, she couldn't see anything. She said, I just, I just felt like there was a deer out there. So I just sat down and waited. When it got loud enough to see, there was a deer, and I shot it. And it's like, that's just not fair. <laughs> you know, because I'd go out there and sit for hours and hours and not see anything. And she, you know, it was just, she knew it was there. Women's <laughs> intuition. Anyway, so the basic everyday activities, we ought to be thankful. And the, reading the Greek uh, words for thankfulness and, uh, and what it means. And it says to show that one is under obligation, be thankful, to feel obligated to thank. And so the meaning is, it was common in uh, diplomatic documents in which the recipient of a favor reciprocates with assurance of goodwill. So you understand that something good has been done for you and you're thankful and so you reciprocate by saying thanks and by, by saying, I'm going to do good back because you've done something good for me. And the example they gave was uh, a couple of politicians, you know, back in the, in the Greek-Roman days where one did something nice for a city and, and his response was, we're always going to be obligated to, you know, to think kindly of you and respond to you and we're grateful to you forever for what you've done for us. 
How much more so should we be that way for what Jesus has done for us, what the Father has done for us, what he's provided for us? We should be thankful. We should be thankful for what he's done, and we should be acknowledging with an appropriate attitude and gratitude. Gratitude is a, is a quality that we ought to all try to develop more and more of, to be grateful for things. If somebody does something nice for you, be grateful. Thank them. I mean, that's, that's just a normal, everyday response that we ought to do. But how much more should we be grateful to the Lord for what he's done? And the more we recognize the, the difficulty of him giving everything for us, how much that cost the Father to give his only begotten Son, the more we recognize that and acknowledge that, the more grateful we ought to be. In Luke 7, 47, Jesus told a story about two people that had a debt, and they were, one was 50 denarii and one was 500 denarii, and they were both forgiven the debt. And he asked, he said, who do you think was more thankful? And the answer was, well, I suppose the one that was forgiven a bigger debt. And he said, you're right. He is forgiven much, loves much. So the more we recognize the cost of the sacrifice that the Father made for us, the more grateful we'll be, the more grateful we are, the more we'll be expressing our thanks. It's, uh, and, you know, it feels good to thank people. It feels good to smile. It feels good, you know, when you're happy, it's contagious. When you're grateful and you're thankful, it impacts other people. And it impacts you. It makes you feel good. When you give, when you're generous and you're helpful and you're kind, you know, just open a door for someone or someone drops something, bend down, pick it up for me. Little things. It just makes you feel good to do something kind and, and generous. And I think that's something that we ought to do. I think that we ought to do that. And it ought to be something that is growing in us all the time. We ought to be growing in our gratefulness, growing in our thankfulness, growing in our generosity, because that's how God has created us to be. We're not supposed to be greedy and stingy and selfish. God created us to be generous and kind and thoughtful. But the devil came along and twisted and perverted everything, and he caused us to have these personalities that are all messed up. That's why we need to be restored and renewed in our mind because we have to change the way that we think and the way we respond to people in everyday situations. God didn't create Cain and Abel to be the way that they became. That was not his plan. They did that because they, they deviated from the way that God created them. Their behavior was twisted and perverted because they deviated from how God created them. And that's the way we all are. We're, we're messed up, but God wants to restore us. Another interesting thing about that word thankful, giving thanks, Origen, who was a, uh, a church father, like in the you know, 100 to 200 uh, A.D., I think, he says that that is a sign of uh, fine training that you are thankful. Think about that. You've been trained well. If you've been trained well, you have good manners, right? You know, 
Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Thank you. No, thank you. Oh, let me get that door for you. You know, I mean, that's the way if you've got fine training, that's how you are. And so in our spiritual walk, if we've been trained by those that are the example that we're following, then we will be grateful. We'll be thankful. We'll be kind. We'll be gentle. And we won't just do that when everything is going our way. We'll be doing it as a natural everyday activity. It's just a basic way we respond. Then he said, do it. I'm doing this always. I'm always giving thanks and praying for you. And that means at all times on every occasion. On every occasion. So, on every occasion. Wow. What about the times when, you know, when somebody says something mean or ugly to you? Is that one of those occasions that you're going to be thankful and pray for them? Should be, shouldn't it? On every occasion, at all times. That's where the... As they used to say in that uh, commercial about tires, it's where the rubber meets the road, you know. I mean, you find out what it's all about when you're giving thanks and praying for people, even when they're not being all that lovely and kind and gentle to you. Maybe they're being downright mean and cruel and despicable towards you. And yet we should, as saints, as God's people, we should always be giving thanks and we should always be praying for people and we should be blessing people. We should be speaking well of people, not grumbling and griping and complaining. I'm guilty. I'm grumbling, griping, complaining all the time. And I, but I'm aware that that's not, a, that's not a trait that God is pleased with. He wants us to be thankful and to pray for our, our uh, neighbors and people that maybe cause us aggravation or, or our politicians that we think are wrong or you know, bosses or other co-workers, whoever it might be that irritates and aggravates you, God wants you to bless those people and pray for them. Even though it's difficult, He wants us to do it at all times and on every occasion. So, basic everyday character and qualities of saints. Paul goes on, he talks about their faith and their love. He said, you've got, uh, ever since I heard... Ever since I heard about your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, he said, I'm, I'm thankful for you all the time. And I'm praying for you ever since I heard about that. So a basic quality of a believer should be faith and love. Love is an affection. And it's not just, it's not just because someone is nice to you and you're, you want to be nice back. This is a... Uh, this particular word is agape. It is the divine or, or godly love. It's not just a physical affection or not just a, uh, a friendship type affection. I mean, this is something that is supernatural. It's a strong, positive emotion of regard and affection. And we believe in the Lord, and therefore we act on our beliefs. So if we are committed to the Lord, then we begin to come, become like him. We are becoming like him because we trust in him. And so faith and love work hand in hand. So when you have faith, that is your trust in the Lord, then you are going to operate in love because that's what faith does. Faith creates an action in us. Faith is not just something you do with your brain. It is when you have faith, you are committed you're saying, I believe in this, and because I believe in it, I'm going to act on it. I'm not going to just continue to...
to be the same way and do the same things I've always done. I'm going to act on my faith. Faith produces action. So faith is trust. It's a strong confidence in and reliance upon someone or something. Often with the object of trust understood. Um, you know, if you think about that, the object of trust understood, you, you, you have faith, you have trust in Jesus because you understand that Jesus is who he says he is and he can do what he said he would do. And so it's okay to put your trust in him because he is God. Now, if you put your trust in me, you put your trust in some person, they're probably going to disappoint you. When you put your trust in God, he is who he says he is, and he will do what he has said he will do. He cannot disappoint you. He cannot fail you because he is God. And it's okay to put your trust in him. So when you put your trust in him, the object of your trust, you can trust him because he's God. Now, you know, you may have done one of those little trust games, you know, where someone stands behind you and says, you know, just close your eyes and fall and I'm going to catch you. I don't know if I've ever done that or not. I've seen it done. But, uh, you know, if you're a big person and you're going to do that and the person going to catch you is a little person, they might try with all their might to hold you, but you're still liable to go, you know, you and that person too. But when you put your trust in someone who is capable of your trust, someone who can do what they said they will do, then you don't have to have any fear. You don't have to have any reservations. You can just say, okay, I know you're strong enough. I know you're big enough. I know you can do anything, so I trust you. And you can just close your eyes and just say, here I am. I'm in your hands. Now, it can still be a little scary because there's always the element of uncertainty. And the biggest problem that we have is that we tend to want to know in advance how God is going to do it. Instead of just trusting him to do it, it's, you know, it's like, well, now, how are you going to work this out for me, God? You know, I'll, I'll trust you if you'll just show me how you're going to do it all. That's not really the way it works. Trust is, it is truly blind trust. Abraham believed, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness because he believed. And the very first thing that Abraham did when God called him says that he left everything and went out not knowing where he was going. That's, that's blind trust there. And he believed, I don't know why, but he believed that God was God, that he was going to do what he had said, and he just said it. I'm all in, I'll go. He didn't know where he was going, but he, but he went. And we need to develop more of a trust like that, a trust that's not, it is not tied up in our understanding of everything about the situation, a trust that is in the person that we're trusting. It's not about the situation. It's not about the circumstances. It's not about the how and the when or the why or the where. It's about who. We put our trust in him and we don't have to worry about all those other details because that's what God is taking care of. He's the detail guy. We just need to put our trust in him. We all tend to stay in our own lane and not, uh, not get out of what our responsibilities are. 
just trust everybody else to take care of theirs, especially when it comes to the Lord, our lives will be so much simpler. But we start fretting over all the details, and the first thing you know, not only do we have fear and doubt, but we're not even sure that God can do it because we're looking at all the circumstances and we're trying to figure out how God's going to do it, and it just seems impossible to us. It would be so much better if we could just say, God, I trust you, and it's in your hands, and I'm going to let you take care of it. And I know you're not going to let me down. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That word substance, it really is, uh, it is used in reference to a title deed. Now, a title deed is a legal document that affects the transfer of property and to show the legal right to possess it. So you think about that. The substance, it's the title deed. And so... Paul talked about it numerous times. It's in, the, it's in the Word several times that the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. He's like the down payment. He is the title deed of, of the promise that God has made to us. And so when we, when we understand that God has made a promise to us, and we've got that title deed, it's that legal document. It is the guarantee that it is going to be our possession. Nobody can stop that from happening. Nobody can take that away from us. It is our possession to take hold of. And the fathers in the old days, you know, the, the Old Testament heroes of faith in Hebrews, it says that they, they didn't receive the promises physically, but they saw the promises from afar off and they embraced them and they were assured of them. And they walked as though they were experiencing the fullness of those promises, even though they didn't physically receive them. And that's what we need to do. We need to be assured that that title deed, that guarantee, the substance of our faith is that we have what we believe we have. What God has promised to us, we lay hold of it by faith and say, this is my possession. I've got it. The evidence of things not seen, it is convicting evidence, evidence that makes someone fully agree, understand, and realize the truth or validity of something, especially based on argument or discussion. So based on the power of the living Word of God, we have convicting evidence that our possessions that have been promised to us are ours and that nobody can take them away. Faith is the substance of the things that we hope for. It is the convicting evidence of the things that we haven't seen yet. And as we learn to walk that out, our faith and our trust in the Lord, we will begin to see the Lord do the things that he's, that he's promised to do. But if you go around doubting all the time, you go around trying to second guess God and figure out how he's going to do it, you're going to be frustrated. He wants us to walk in peace. He wants us to walk in hope. And in truth. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is hope and truth. He says that I heard about your, your faith and your love for all the saints and for the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Hope and truth. It's laid up for you. Hope is someone or something in which expectations are centered. It's a great expectation. It's not just... You know, like we, we say, well, I hope so. That's, that's just an expression. True biblical hope is, I mean, we are, we are convinced 
It's a great expectation, and we're just looking for it to happen. We know God is going to do what he said he was going to do. And that hope that is laid up for us, that is, that is an eternal hope. It's stored up to become saved or stored away as for future use. Think about that. It's laid up for you. It's stored up for future use. So when you have a hope that is in Christ, it's not only for today, but it's hope for tomorrow. It's hope for next week. It's hope for next month. It's hope for next year. It's hope for the eternal side of all this. It is a hope that is saved up and stored up for you that will never expire. There's not an there's not a expiration date on it. It's good forever. The hope is laid up for you. We've got to grab a hold of that hope. That's the hope we need to be focused on, not, not a hope that's for today. Well, I hope today goes better than yesterday. We need to be convinced that God is about our good, and he's always about our good. And I rejoice with you guys. When I see someone get healed, when I see someone get a financial blessing, I see something happen, it's like, yes, that's what God is talking about. That's what hope in him is all about. Those are the good things. Those are the things that we ought to be having happen to us all the time because we're his people. God wants to bless us and do good things for us. We shouldn't be surprised when something wonderful and miraculous happens, and yet we usually are. It's like, wow, how'd that happen? Well, it happened because your hope is in him. Your hope is in someone that is miraculous. Your hope is in some word. You put it all together, you add it all up, and you come up with this sum, it's like, well, that's what it is. So everything that God was saying, you sum it all up, it's Jesus Christ. That's what it is. That's the sum of all that God has ever said to us. It's Jesus Christ. He is the hope, the hope of glory living in you. And the truth of that is that, that God wants to reveal himself to us the full expression of who he is, his nature. He doesn't lie to us. He doesn't deceive us. He doesn't, he doesn't change his mind on us. He doesn't give it to us and then take it back. How many of you have ever had someone give you something and then take it back? I don't like that. I've had stuff promised to me and then it was taken back. I'm sorry, can't do that. Changed my mind. I've had stuff promised to me, and nobody said I'd take it back. They just never did it. That's disappointing, too. David said, I was young, and now I'm old, and yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. God has never failed me. Everything that he said, he has done. Joshua, when he was talking to the the children of Israel, after they'd conquered the land, he was fixing to die. And he said, I want you to know, and I want you to be aware, don't you ever forget this, that there is not one thing, not one good thing that God promised you that has failed to come to pass. He did every bit of it, just like he said he would. Don't you forget that. When you start forgetting that, the enemy begins to come in and begin to tell you lies and give you deceptive ideas and begin to say, well, God didn't really do that, just like he did in the garden, right? He says, all kinds of twists and turns to the truth. You deviate from the truth, you don't have anything. But when you stay with the truth, that dependability of who God is, that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he would do, then you can count on what God says and you can walk that out. The word of truth. And the last thing I want to share with you is about fruit. In this passage, he said, the gospel of truth has come to you and you are 
bringing forth fruit, just like the gospel is done everywhere else in all the world. The gospel, it comes and it changes us. The gospel of Jesus. Good news. That's what the gospel is. Concerning the now present reality of Jesus' divine dominion and the way of salvation by his death and resurrection. A lot of big words. Basically, it's what Jesus came and did. He is who he says he was, and he came and he did what he was going to do so that we could be saved. That's who Jesus is. That's the good news. The gospel is that Jesus came. He has come. That means he, he was present to be in a specified place or in near proximity to something else. Aren't you glad that he came? The gospel came. I love that song that we sing, you know, that, that he came for us. His love came for us. It came for me. It came for you. You know, even when you were, when you were resistant, just like I was, there was a time when I, I would sit there every week. My mother would drag me to church and I'd sit back there and I'd just be hanging on to that pew saying, I'm not going to go down there. I'm not going to go down there. And I knew God was calling me, but I was resistant. And yet his love came for me every week. He never gave up. He never quit. This is the gospel has come to us. It's present. It's right in near proximity. That's what Paul said in Romans. He said, it's not way off that you can't see it. It's not over there where you can't touch it. It's right here. It's in your hand. It's the word of truth, the word of faith. It's right here. Man, the gospel has come and it's bringing forth fruit. It's bringing forth fruit. Literally bearing fruit produce consequences to produce actions and natural consequences befitting one's nature. And it's like as if a tree is bearing fruit according to its kind. You're producing a crop. You're producing something that is, that is like your very nature. And that's so important because you're going to produce fruit, brother and sister. You will. Every day you're going to produce fruit. You've got a crop growing and sprouting and, and hanging off of you all the time. And it's either going to be a fruit that is like your nature or it's going to be like your nature. Which one of those natures is it going to be like? You know, maybe it's like the, like the little cartoons, you know, where you've got some bad fruit on this side and some good fruit on this side, you know. You're walking, depending on where you're walking. You walk with the unbelievers and you, 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 you show them this side, you know. You walk with the believers and you show them this side. I don't know. I'm just saying, the fruit you produce is going to be like what's inside of you. It's what's in your heart. Worship team, y'all can come back. So, you know, I'm, I just want to encourage you. You are going to produce a crop according to what's in you. That, that expression, bringing forth fruit, it was an idiom literally meaning to make fruit to cause results to exist, to produce results. We need to be producing results. We need to be bearing fruit, and we need to be not just a little bit of fruit, but we need to be having fruit that's just hanging off of us, like a peach tree that's got so many peaches on it that the limbs are almost breaking. They're just hanging down. You ever... You ever look at uh, a, a group of grapes 
what do you call it? What do you call it? A bunch of grace? Yeah, bunch. That's one of my favorite words. I should have thought of that. So you got a bunch of grapes, and uh, boy, you know, it's full, and it, and it looks really great. Then you start eating them off of there, and if you pick one here and you pick one there, and then you hold it back up again, and look at it, it's, like, yeah, it's looking a little skimpy now, and you keep eating on them, and next thing you know, that thing is pretty scraggly looking. Well, we're not supposed to be like a bunch of scraggly looking grapes. We're supposed to be overflowing and abounding in fruit. And that's what he's talking about. He, he wants to cause fruit to abound in our lives. We should be productive, producing fruit, fruit that is of our redeemed nature, not like the fruit that we used to produce. When I was young, before I knew the Lord, it weren't, it weren't good fruit that was coming out of me. And sometimes, if I'm not careful, some of that bad fruit will start to expose itself even now. I have to, I have to work at producing the right fruit. It's God that does it, but I've got I to gotta participate in that plan. Because he doesn't just zap you and everything is hunky-dory. I mean, you're, you're working with him to produce fruit. You're doing the sowing. You're doing the watering. And you're doing the reaping. But it's him that's doing the increase. Let's worship. Open arms, praise God just as 
Each of us to come. He's always calling us to come. You may be a believer. The Lord is still calling you to come. He wants you to draw near. He wants you to, to come so that you can receive freely of what He has provided for you. If you're an unbeliever, if you don't know the Lord, maybe this would be the day that you'd say yes to Him. Just as we were singing. Just like you are. You don't have to you don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to get yourself prepared. Just come like you are and let him change you. Let him forgive you. Let him cleanse you. Let him do the work that only he can do. So if you'd like special prayer for anything this morning, uh, we'll have someone meet you at the altar and pray with you. Uh, if you're watching remotely and you need to invite Jesus to come and forgive you. And it's as simple as saying, Lord, I recognize that I've, I've done wrong. I've, I've not walked with you. I've not lived my life completely right in every way. I'm a sinner and I need you. I ask that you forgive me, cleanse me, come and be my Lord and Savior. It's as simple as that, folks. It's not hard but it'll change your life forever. Let him speak to you and touch you today. Whatever your need is, he is here to meet their needs. He's here to meet your need. Put your trust in him so that he can do the things that need to be done in your life. Let him put you back on a, on a right path we all get off the path sometimes. We all have problems. We stumble. We, we take a wrong turn occasionally. Lord wants you to get you back on the right path where you're, you're right in step with him. He wants to lead you and guide you. Get in tune with him.
Give yourself to him fully now. In Jesus' name. Thank you that you alone are God, that you alone are able to save us. You alone are able to heal us. You alone are able to redeem this broken world. And Lord, we cry out to you on behalf of this, this nation, Lord. We are broken. We acknowledge that we're messed up. We've got laws and we've got people that are, that are uh, just out of whack with you, Lord. And I pray that you'd have mercy on us and forgive us and turn our hearts, Lord. Heal this land. Forgive us of our sins. Help us to repent and turn to you, Lord. Have your way in this nation, Lord. Let us be a people that once again will put our trust in you, walk with you, and honor you in all of our ways and all of our 
our morals and our values and our schools and our court systems and the news media and in our elections and everything that we do, Lord, we would honor you. I thank you for that. Go with us now, Lord. Bless us this week. Cause your face to shine upon us. Be gracious to us and make your countenance shine all over us, Lord, and fill us and give us that perfect peace that we so need, Lord. This is the season of hope and joy and peace and love. Fill our hearts with it now as we go in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you and you're dismissed.